Hello and welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gomison and I want to thank you for joining me today. I hope that as you listen, you will find something to encourage you on this journey that we call the Christian life. Today I will be talking to you about the first myth in the Myths About Jesus series. Remember, a few weeks ago we shared a two-episode arc where we talked about these myths individually, all seven of them over that two-episode span. Well, today I'm going to start breaking them down and talking about each individual myth in more detail. So the first one, as I said, is Jesus was just a man. Of course, those of us who are believers know that this is not the case. If Jesus was just a man, he could not be the Savior and centerpiece of the Christian faith. So allow me to start with our quote of the day. Our quote of the day says, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. 1 John 5.20 So today we're going to look at five things which testify to us from the scriptures that Jesus was more than just a man. And we see here that in this passage, to begin today, that Jesus Christ is the true Son of God and eternal life. He is the way to eternal life. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what is the first thing that we can say about Jesus being more than just a man? Jesus existed before time and created the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's John 1, 1 1-3. And we can follow that up with John 1, 14-17, which says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And there's a couple of things I want to point out here. First of all, It says that Jesus existed in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then we see that all things were created by him, and without him was not anything made. So everything was created by Jesus. It's surreal to think about that Jesus, walking around in human flesh, was the creator of the world. As I've said before, the significance of the wine in the wedding at Cana 
being the best possible wine it could be, even though it was the latter wine, was that the creator of the grape made it. The next thing that I want to point out here is that John, the Baptist, says he was preferred before me, for he was before me. Now we know that biologically, John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus in their human ages. But this is reminding us that Jesus existed before time in the beginning and he was the creator of the world. This is a significant thing because it shows us that he wasn't just a man. Every man has a beginning and an end. But Jesus does not have those things. Yes, he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead and he lives forevermore. In Revelation, it says, I am he that was dead, but now lives forevermore. The next thing that we see about Jesus that shows us that he was more than just a man is that he was born of a virgin. And this comes from Matthew chapter 1. It says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she brought forth her firstborn son, and she called his name Jesus. So Joseph is given explicit directions in this dream. Of course, by this time Mary has told him that she's pregnant, and Joseph doesn't know what to think. He doesn't want to embarrass her or mistreat her or have her stoned, but he doesn't know if he can marry her because, by all appearances, she was unfaithful. By the timeline, it appears that she quickly told him that this was the case and then left for three months to be with Elizabeth, the only other woman who could possibly understand what she was going through because Elizabeth was miraculously with child as well, not because of an immaculate conception, but because of the fact that she was past childbearing age and so was Zacharias. And so then Joseph is left at home to grapple with what he should do next. And he says, I don't want to embarrass her. I just want to put her away privately. But he doesn't rush into it. He thinks on these things. And while he's thinking, the angel says, the child within her is conceived by the Holy Ghost and do not fear to take her as your wife. She is going to give birth to a baby and you're going to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph does what he is told. I just really like this passage 
because you see Joseph taking the actions that God told him to take. And actually, you see him, I believe it's four times, receive messages from God and respond correctly each time. Joseph is an underrated character in the Bible uh, because he was a just man and he tried to do what was right in the eyes of God at every turn. And I just really appreciate um, this passage of Scripture. And it's also significant that this last part says, And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. So he he's taken her to be his wife. Um, he's taken the responsibility of a husband. But he did not physically consummate the marriage until after Jesus was born. And the significance of that is there's no way that Jesus could have been Joseph's son, even though the people of the village chose to see it that way because they did not come together as husband and wife until after Jesus was born. And I think this is a key word, until... Um, because I do believe they had other children. We read about James and Jude, and they were human. I don't think, as some believe, that Mary was perpetually a virgin. I believe that they had a regular marital relationship after Jesus was born. Joseph allowed himself to take the brunt of the responsibility and probably the ridicule for this decision. And we are all better for it. God chose Joseph and Mary not because they were perfect, but because he knew that they would do his will. So the first couple things that we have covered is that we know that Jesus was more than just a man because he existed before time and created the world. He chose to enter a human womb and chose to become human, but he was not human at the beginning. The next thing we talked about is that Jesus was born of a virgin. And we know that he was born of a virgin because we read this story about how Joseph was told that by the angel and how he refrained from having a physical relationship with her until after Jesus had been born. These are significant things. We need to be aware of them. The third thing that I would mention, as far as this goes, is angels proclaimed him Savior at his birth. And the angel said unto them, this being the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, 
which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, Joseph, and the babe laying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So we have a situation where the shepherds are on the hillside watching their sheep, and many have surmised that these are sheep for the Passover, so they have a very specific duty, and that would mean they have a very specific tie-in to this story because the shepherds are witness to the fact that the final Passover lamb, Jesus, has come into the world. And the angels say, there's good news for all people, a Savior Christ the Lord has been born. And they go and find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. It's interesting that they mention Mary and Joseph in this passage so that you are not persuaded in any way that this would be a separate baby or a separate instance. And then we see that this incident profoundly impacted the shepherds to the degree that they went and shared the news with as many people as they come in contact with. The reason that I talk about Jesus so much, the reason that I have this podcast, is because Jesus changed my life. And I will continue to proclaim his truth until the day that I die. Excitedly and gladly. Because as Paul said, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And the reality is that without the intervention of Jesus Christ, God is an angry God. The Bible says that he's jealous, that he doesn't want his glory to go to another. So the only way to appease him and to have justice is for Jesus to stand in the gap and to become our sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. And I am so very thankful for that. And I trust that you are as well. The next thing that I want to mention is that Jesus claimed to be God. You know, a lot of times people think that Jesus was just a good teacher, or they'll say he never claimed to be God. But there's actually a few times when he does claim to be God. One of them is the one I'm going to read for you now, and that is John chapter 8. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture, John eight, fifty three to fifty eight reads, Art thou greater than our father Abraham which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Ye have not known him, but I know him, and if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and was glad. Then said the Jews, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And in this instance, Jesus is invoking the name of the great I am, from the burning bush in Exodus. He is saying to these Pharisees and religious leaders, I stand outside of time. 
I know your father Abraham. Remember, the Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God. We don't know how Abraham knew that God had a son, but we know from this passage that he did know it and that he did rejoice in the future. We also know that Abraham believed God and God accounted it to him for righteousness. So Jesus here is for sure claiming to be God. And one of the reasons that we know that he's claiming to be God is that he is then threatened with stoning after this encounter. If he wasn't claiming to be God, he would not be threatened with stoning because of this. The final thing that I want to mention to you today about why Jesus was more than just a man is that he accepted worship. This is from John nine thirty-five to 38. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So again, Jesus is both claiming to be God and also accepting the worship due to God. So we can be assured, based on these things which we have discussed today, that Jesus not only was the Son of God, he freely claimed it and proved it. He was attested to us by many miracles. We know that Jesus was God because he had power over the wind and the waves. He said, peace be still, and the waves were still. He said to Lazarus, when he had been dead four days, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus came forth. Why? Because the Creator God was calling Lazarus back to life. The Bible tells us that when Jesus died, many arose from their graves and walked around the city. Now, we don't hear any names of those people. We don't know what happened to them after that, but we know that it happened, once again, because of the power of God. We know that the veil that shielded the Holy of Holies broke in half, giving us permanent access to God the Father through Jesus. Again, because Jesus was, is, and always will be God. So to review these five things very quickly, as we end today, we discussed that Jesus existed before time and created the world. He chose to become a human because of us. He was not just a man with a hopeful message. He was God incarnate, reaching out to a lost world. Then we talked about how Jesus was born of a virgin. When Jesus' birth announcement was given to Mary, she said, How can this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel said, The power of the highest will overshadow you, and you will conceive by the Holy Ghost. 
we also read that Jesus was proclaimed as Savior by angels. And we know from the fact that Mary and Joseph are mentioned in that passage that they are not referring to another baby. Then we saw that Jesus claimed to be God, which again, many people do not believe he did, but the reality is he did. Another place other than John chapter 8 where he does this is John chapter 18, when they come to the garden. He says, whom do you seek? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am. Interestingly enough, many of our English Bibles say, I am he, but the he is italicized. And it is believed in the original text that when Jesus said, I am, he is invoking the very same name of God as he invokes in John chapter 8, God from the burning bush. And that is why the people who were coming after Jesus fell backward. They had no power on their own to capture Jesus. They only had the power that he gave up. He said, I lay down my life. No man takes it from me. I have both power to lay it down and power to take it up again. This command have I been given from my father. And then finally, we considered the fact that he accepted worship. Remember in Acts when Paul and Silas, I believe, or it could have been Paul and Barnabas, they were in a city and people thought that they were gods and they started worshiping them and bowing down to them. And then we see also in Acts that Cornelius bows down to Peter. But in both cases, they say, we are but men. Stand on your feet. We are not worthy of this worship, but Jesus is. I hope this encourages you today, and I hope that if it does, you will share it with family and friends. That's about all the time I have for this week's show. I just want to encourage you to have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.